0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. Trevor Lane here. You can find me on social media at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram and Facebook. Joined by Keith Smith. You can find him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, big day. I brought my Lakers background. You're wearing your Celtics shirt. Let's go. We're going to have a fun time on the Lakers Nation postgame show tonight. <laughs> both of us on there to talk about our two teams playing each other.
1: Yeah, well, our our two teams maybe for everybody watching you saw me do air quotes around teams because uh both teams are banged up but we'll get into that a little bit later we get some news to cover first and then uh, then we'll get into uh uh, what's gonna happen tonight but yeah hopefully uh you're not watching one of the uh final uh last couple episodes of uh nba for an office hopefully
0: we can get through a lakers celtics post game without killing each other which i think (laughs) will be
1: successful i'll be be i'll be nice And like I said, as long as it doesn't end in a Rajon Rondo game winner, then, then I'm good. <laughs> you're
0: you're going to speak it into existence. You keep bringing that up.
1: <laughs> I At this point, maybe.
0: Uh We do have a lot to get into. And and our main topic for this segment today is Ben Simmons. So I don't even know like, if this is Simmons siren worthy or not. Yeah. It's close, but... I don't have it queued up, so we'll say We'll no. say no then. We'll go with no <laughs> because of that. But uh, apparently the 76ers, uh, according to Sam Hamick have a list of players that they would trade Ben Simmons for and there's 30 players on that list that's that sounds like a lot of players and on one hand we've heard that the 76ers are, you know, they're driving a hard bargain here for Ben Simmons they want a lot for him but 30 players that doesn't mean every single player on the list is going to be an all-star, I'm sure there's going to be some other guys. I am curious. Like, I'm sure there's some names on there, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? That just, it's it's not going to happen. But still, interesting that the 76ers do have a list put together of guys where, hey, if this guy is offered, we're going to do the deal.
1: Yeah, I, I think the number seems a little overwhelming at first sure. when you hear dirty players, because like you said, that means that there's definitely some non-all-stars in there. But my the guess is everyone... Yeah. yeah, every one of these guys is either a near all-star or a, a very former recent mm-hmm. all-star. Uh, let's put, put it that way with, with some of them. So, yeah, that, that becomes very interesting. And as you probably get closer down to the 20 to 30 range, it probably becomes we want this guy and these other players or picks or whatever it may be. I think the interesting thing is – now it's we're starting to hear a couple names yes. pop out from that list. Keith Pompey from the Philadelphia Inquirer reported Jeremy Grant and James Harden are two of the names on the list. Well, no, probably real surprise there, Harden. They tried to trade for him mm-hmm. before. With Ben Simmons, the one of the, the working theories is Harden did not sign a contract extension, so uh, maybe he could actually be be available potentially in a trade that involves Simmons. And then Jeremy Grant, the discussion there is that there have already been talks. Uh, held on a deal that centers around the two of those players. It sounds like the holdup is what else would go uh, in that type of type of trade. But Jeremy Grant, four or six, Sixer, or started his career there uh, before he was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2016. So, a c- couple interesting names to kind of give a little bit of flavor of what Philly might be.
0: Jeremy Grant for. was on one of those hinky special contracts, wasn't he? Where it was a, a second, yes. like he was non-guaranteed, like a four-year deal, yep. and the last three years are non-guaranteed and, and things like that.
1: Yeah, with, with a team, team options, option yes, at the end. Right. And, yep, yeah. yep. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly and what And so it that
0: would be interesting as a target for them. Um, I don't know, like that, when I hear the name James Harden and you hear Jeremy Grant, like we're talking about two different tiers here of players. Sure. I mean, I like Jeremy Grant a lot, but I am curious what else the 76ers would want in addition to Jeremy Grant, and would the Pistons even be willing to pay that? Detroit not being a free agent destination. I mean, these are the teams that we said to keep an eye on, right? The teams who aren't free agent destinations, who aren't going to get a star caliber player, might see this as an opportunity Mm -hmm. to land somebody like that. But I did think it was interesting in the Amick piece. They also mentioned that the 76ers believe that teams around the NBA are now less motivated To trade for ben simmons as this has continued this whole process and part of it is the mental health concerns because the teams if you're a team that's trading for ben simmons you have to be convinced that whatever is going on with ben simmons right and there's been questions about exactly how how serious this is and and all of that but if you're trading for ben simmons right now you have to know with certainty that the mental health concerns are going to go away once you trade for him. That the problem is that he's a Philadelphia 76er and that's going to be alleviated because otherwise, who's to say that he's prepared mentally to step on the floor if you execute a deal right now?
1: Yeah, and on the flip side of that too, it's not necessarily the greatest look in the world if you trade for him Absolutely. and then instantly he's, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to play for you. So you, you then you've got some... He and you have some explaining to do around the idea of, hey, we really like it really was Philadelphia that was right. holding him back and, you know, causing him this this, uh, you know, mental issues and those kind of things. So well, let's see you know where that ultimately uh, lands with that. I thought the other thing that was interesting out of this piece, go read it, Sam Amick, you know, really want in depth on mm-hmm. the athletic, uh, really good stuff. Uh, but one of the other things he mentioned is that there's a belief that five to ten star players from Philadelphia's side, will become available within the next two seasons. So they're basically saying they're no longer kind of harping on the whole, this might be a four-year thing, he's under contract. But it does sound like they're saying, hey, if it doesn't happen this year, we think guys will pop free. Now, you we can quibble over the number, the five right. to ten. Someone, yes, we know how the NBA works. Some star player will become available between now and then, probably two or three of them, probably because we're in an environment where a lot of guys are locked into contracts. There's not a lot of cap space. Mm -hmm. The only way for moves to happen is going to be via trade. So, yeah, I don't think they're uh, betting on the wrong thing if you're the Sixers. It's just kind of interesting to think through that thought process of, this may not resolve itself this year, and I, you know, I continue to believe. Just get this done. Uh, You know, I get why December fifteenth is the date because then a lot of guys can be moved. That can't be right now, but sometime between then and the trade deadline on February tenth, let's let's get this thing done. You, you can't go into another whole offseason with this kind of hanging over the team. I just, I that that seems almost unfathomable
0: yeah, to me. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's my question, right? When you say in another two years or whatever, like, are they really going to? Just sit with Ben Simmons on their bench for two years, yeah. eating up space, not providing anything. Like I, that that to me is yeah. is you know Philadelphia maybe pushing back a little bit about you know hey we're we're still willing to wait you know there's no there's no pressure on us that sort of thing while at the same time saying eh, teams might not be quite as motivated as we would have hoped right now to get a deal done.
1: Yep. Um, Let's
0: get into some injuries and some players who are going to be coming back. OG and for the Raptors may be out for a bit with a hip pointer. Uh, Not an ideal situation there. He's been been, uh, a big, big piece of this Raptors team. So hopefully he's able to come back Mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. But again, out for a while. That's a bit ominous.
1: Yeah, anytime you get that for a while... Kind of disclaimer thrown on there. That's always concerning, and that is an injury that guys have struggled to come back from because we we know in basketball there's a lot of twisting, running, jumping, getting knocked to the floor, having to bounce back up. Though those are all things that become an issue. And yeah, this team just got Pascal come mm-hmm. back. In a lot of ways, I think they they have. They, they've lost three in a row. They're down to seven and nine now. They've kind of backslid uh, in the standings. I think down to where I think a lot of us expected them to probably be And a big chunk of the season was figuring out how do all these pieces fit together. We, we've got some of these guys signed long term. Siakam, Ananobi, Van Vliet, uh, uh, Gary Trent Jr. now are all, all signed at least for the next few years. And then we've got Scotty Barnes, our, our prized rookie. How do they all fit together? Well, so far they've together pretty good as as a five-man unit they they looked all right there so you're just losing data points that that's kind of the main thing here is is losing out on that now that's 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 tough so let's see where this goes now they're seven and nine i tend to believe right remember when we were doing our preseason predictions i kind of just threw them in the middle because it was like this is not where they're going to be they're either going to be better than this or they're going to be way worse because Masai will start selling off pieces if if we get to let's say a month from now, we're post Christmas, and they're seven or eight games under five hundred, is that enough for Masai to say All right, let's start looking at what are we breaking up here, moving off of this roster, and how do we go? Because I'm just not sure this is going to be a team that actually competes for a yeah, playoff spot. Agreed,
0: agreed. We'll we'll see what winds up happening with them, but obviously this is not going to help with Ananobi, uh, Marcus All, not done playing. He's going to play a bit in Spain, going to play for Girona. I'm sure I'm saying it incorrectly, but he's going to be playing for. (laughs) Someone tell us in the comments who knows how to
1: (laughs) correctly pronounce it. But he
0: will be playing in Spain. Good for, you know, good for Mark. Hopefully he, uh, we we know he loves playing over there. So hopefully he is able to find success there, of course, near the end of his career. But, uh, but good to hear that if he's, if he's willing and he feels like he's still capable of getting out there, why not keep playing, man?
1: Yeah, I don't think he had to work very hard to convince <laughs> ownership when the not. guy who runs the it's team because they're both. That's right. <laughs> so uh, it sounds like this is a let's help my second division team out a little bit on the court. And he probably feels like I've got a little bit left to give. Well, let's see see what this looks like. And we've seen this in the past. You know, maybe he looks better than he thought. and. I'm not going to say an NBA return, but maybe then he is uh, more open to you know what. I will join Barcelona at a high level uh, league in Spain and in the Euro League and those kind of things and go that direction. But for now, he's going to play for his own club that he owns in the second division in Spain and and let's see where it goes.
0: I mean, hey, if Didier Drogba can play for Phoenix Rising and get a little ownership <laughs> stake there, why not? Why can't Marcus Salt do something like that too? Um, Kevin Murray. Right? Kevin Durant, man, shoulder issues. Shams Tarani saying that he's going to be out yeah. for tonight's game. That's, I mean, that's red flag for the Nets. Hopefully this isn't anything serious, but the Nets have not had the margin for error that we thought they would heading into the season. So any extended absence for Durant could be a big problem for Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, I think what is interesting here is we talked about this with the in the context of the Nets-Warriors game. The Nets margin for for error is just not really good yeah. right now, especially when they don't have uh, Kyrie Irving in there. And now you're down to James Harden and and the rest. So let's see what that looks like uh, here. It, it's Orlando, so you would hope hope they'd still have enough to get by by the magic but the magic just went in and beat the knicks uh something about the magic playing in new york seems to get them going so uh well let's see what that looks like but yeah it's if if this is a one game thing fine it's not a story we move on and we go if this starts to become a thing where he's in and out of the lineup and they can't get it right all of a sudden that nets team which i i I think we both picked to make the finals. I don't remember, but if we didn't, I know we had him at least probably in the East finals uh, as did most folks. And here we are is, um, you know, well, what is that going to look like uh, for, for, uh, you know, them and and Kevin Durant if, if he can't get past, it's going to be going to be
0: something to follow again. Like you said, if it's a one game thing, no big deal. If it ends up being more, this could become a, a much bigger deal for not just the Nets, but also for the NBA. Uh, Rudy Gay looks like he will finally make his season debut. He's been rehabbing a heel injury, was one of the big signings of the offseason for the Utah Jazz, a guy they thought was going to fit very well. And looks like he is going to be making his uh his debut. So
1: I'm sorry, I missed that. I was I was looking yes. at Twitter. Rudy Gay. Yep. Was that what you said? Gay played last night. Oh, actually. I missed I missed oh, it. Man, I was I behind a yeah. day
0: on my on my notes yep. here. <laughs> I was
1: behind a day on my notes. You did it so all right. So- that makes me feel better for my, my little faux pas there. So now we're even. I played, and not only did he play yesterday, but hold on. let me. I'm trying to get to get, get that I've got box score 20. To, to pull up.
0: On, se- on seven of eight, shooting five hey, and six. The, you know, this is what happens, Keith. Yep. When you step away from basketball for a little bit, this is the way it goes. <laughs> Your first time back, you are either on fire and you can't miss, or it's like you've forgotten how to ride the bike and you're just god awful. For Rudy yeah, Gay, they- he was on fire.
1: Yeah, Seven of eight from the field, five of six from three, 20 points. Um, All right. It's not going to be that every night of the week, you know, clearly uh, for Rudy and the jazz, but this is what they signed him to do is give them that, that extra front court depth, uh, a little bit of scoring um, size at the forward position, uh, which the only real kind of, size scorer that they have is Boyan Bogdanovich. So now Gay gives them them another guy who can do that. Uh, They've gotten a lot of mileage out of Hassan Whiteside. Uh, He's he's really kind of only in there for about the 10 to 15 minutes that Rudy Gobert doesn't go on a nightly basis. And he's been fine in that role. So a little bit more depth for a jazz team that, that their top nine is probably about as good as anybody's in the league uh, right now. And they, 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 look pretty good. That top of the West is tough with Utah and Phoenix up there. Cause Phoenix is not slowing down at all either. Right. They're starting to really round into form. So it's, it's going to be fun to watch those two compete probably back and forth for, for uh, the number one seed the yeah, rest Phoenix of the has season.
0: Won 10 in a row at this point. Uh Rui Hachimura back to practicing with the Wizards. We've talked before about, you know, there's some questions about okay, where does he fit into the Wizards' rotation right now? Now, they've added some pieces, but still good to hear that uh that he's getting back into action and potentially could be returning to the team somewhat soon once he gets his legs under him.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and it's been a long time yes. personal absence. We there's been some speculation it was COVID related, some speculation, uh, uh, potentially other things re- related. So we, we don't exactly know what the story is there, but yeah, it's a uh, it, it's definitely good to see him back. And uh, this is a wizard team that's been back and forth with with injuries with with a few key guys especially up front so having another guy who can uh, slide in and play the four is not not a bad thing at all, for all right
0: and to finish things up clay thompson is now playing five on five that's typically when in terms of a close. guy returning to the nba it, they go through steps and the first one of those steps is okay you're going to play one-on-one then it's you're going to play two-on-two they slowly ramp up there because the more players you add onto the floor the more variables there are the more things that you have to just instantly react to that you can't anticipate. And so there's going to be a little bit higher injury risk as you add those things. in. it's going to be a little bit more of a strain on the body. And so now you've got a full five on five participation for clay Thompson. That tells you that he is really close
1: to coming back. Yeah, absolutely. And because I'm an idiot, I said the Suns and jazz battling for the number one seed and I left the warriors completely out of, not out of that. That, that, <laughs> that mix who, who is the number one seed with yeah. the best record in basketball. Now, uh, also a, an absolute ridiculous 13.7 points per game scoring differential uh, with Incredible. the Warriors right now. They, they just look absolutely awesome. So it's a yeah, they're going to get him back. And and the good news is, too, he can come back. And if it takes him 30, 40 games to get up to some level of speed and feeling good. They're fine. They've got more than enough depth to get by. They're getting contributions from all sorts of guys on that roster. They they, they are really playing good basketball. Yeah, they
0: have been extremely impressive so far this season. Let's take a quick break. You know, sports talk radio can have a major influence on the lens that we view sports through and therefore can influence our betting decisions. If you miss the biggest sports headlines from the night before and wonder how that might impact this week's bets, you can relive the best in sports from the night before with Bet MGM tonight presented by Bet MGM bet. MGM has a live show that does a great job of giving you the highlights from sports while providing a little bit of betting info as well just makes you more informed and more confident when you're placing your bets and it is a lot of fun. It's engaging. It's polarizing. It's relevant. You can get caught up in the sports betting world with a heavy dose of entertainment. Host Quentin Mayo from NBC Sports Washington and Ryan Horvat from 1250 AM The Fan and Trista Crick are joined by on-site correspondents to bring you insider information in real time. Every detail matters when you're making bets. BetMGM Tonight dives deeper to help give you the edge. It's fun to bet on the game. It's even more fun when you've got the inside scoop. Tune in to BetMGM Tonight presented by BetMGM. Listen on Odyssey, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Welcome back. A lot more topics to get into here. Let's start things off with NBA general managers potentially organizing, forming their own association. Keith Smith, you can find him on Twitter at keithsmithnba. Keith, what do you think this means for the NBA? The idea of general managers organizing and the story that it's in partially in response to what's going on with Neil O'Shea and the Portland Trailblazers?
1: Yeah, I think – so there's a couple yeah. things here. The, the the This has been in, in the works, I guess is the best way to put that, uh, since March of, of 2021. Pretty so we're, we're talking eight months or so mm-hmm. already. Um, one of the things that they wanted to do was just basically – I'm stopping short of saying create a yeah. union because I don't know that that's right. what it is. But the players have one. The coaches have one. The, the uh, yeah. NBA officials have one. Why wouldn't front office personnel have one as well? Um, Because there's a couple of things. One, it does give them a, a little bit of strength um in in certain situations if they feel like something is unfair now the timing here feels a little weird uh because you've got the neil o'shea uh investigation going ongoing that sounds like that's uh getting close to wrapping up and then we'll get the findings and then ultimately if there's any kind of uh punishment or loss of job for o'shea uh we'll find out on that but yeah it's it's part of what they want to be able to do is provide um, advice and legal defense and all sorts of funds and those kind of things to to their fellow uh, partners. And one of the things that they said uh, in the article, which uh, Adrian Bojanowski and Ramona Shelburne partnered up on for ESPN, is the idea is with Olshay is there's a thought process around, all right, well, if, if them – Who's next? And is this a way that ownership could start to look into how do we get out of contracts we don't like for general managers? Could we look for yeah. a cause? Could we look to find something or something along those lines, and that becomes a whole whole uh, storyline. That that you know, it, could it happen? Yeah, sure, it absolutely could happen. But I, I don't know that we um you know know that that's the direction. I that think we'll that's
0: my biggest concern from this story, as far as GMs organizing. Okay, like I understand the rationale behind doing that. I understand, look, players have it, co- uh, you know, refs have it. I'll, okay, fine. If, if NBA general managers want to as well. But if the sense out there is that the motive for the Blazers doing what they're doing right now with O'Shea is because they are looking for a way out of paying him. They, they, the thought was brought up that NBA attendance has not been what they hoped it would be this season. And that the COVID losses are still kind of hanging over their head and they might be looking for a way to get out of these payments. If that is the case, right? And I'm not saying it is because to me that feels a bit far-fetched. But if that is indeed the case, this is very similar in, I guess it's a terrible word here, but grossness to if it turns out that Ben Simmons is using the mental health thing as an excuse to kind of put the screws to the 76ers. If that's what it is, that's a big step back. For the mental health push that's something that's bigger than ben simmons and if what's going on here if what's being brought up against O'Shea, if this is not real if this is more just something that the portland Trail blazers and again i don't know if i believe this but the blazers are just creating in order to get out of paying him that's that's a big step back for people who are legitimately in situations where their employer is acting inappropriately right so I would hope yeah, that's not absolutely. the case here and what we're really talking about.
1: Yeah, my, my hope is because this was in the works months yes. ago, this is not a snap reaction to we have to defend one of our own and all these things. I mean, we hear the same thing on the ownership side. No, they, they don't have a union. I mean, their union is effectively the Come NBA uh, there. They, that's how they're in union together. But it is. We're on the ownership side, the things we hear is, well, we got to be careful with these investigations because I don't want to be next, and who knows what they'll uncover next. So yeah, I'm, uh, you're you're hopeful that this is not a reaction to that. None of this is being used to to for reasons for any of this stuff, and and we'll see, you know, where all of this uh, kind of goes uh, moving forward. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's hopefully this is comes together for the right reasons and is used for the yeah, right. That reasons. is a great way to sum it up. Uh, another interesting
0: topic that came out, the buyout market, <laughs> we're here already, uh, John Wall, rumor coming out that the Heat are interested if John Wall is indeed bought out. Now, John Wall has said that he doesn't want to forfeit any, any of the money on his contract, which obviously would be necessary in a buyout situation. Yep. Um, the Heat being interested, to me, that's okay, that's fine. I mean, they've got a, a veteran point guard in Kyle Lowry. They don't have much of a backup, though. I could see why a team like the Heat, who fancies themselves as a championship contender, would say, yeah, we would love to bring in John Wall and make him kind of a combo with, with Kyle Lowry and have one of them on the floor at all times and that sort of thing. So it makes sense in that, in that yep. sense for a landing spot. But I think the angle that I want to approach this at, Keith, is we talk all the time about looking at news and figuring out who benefits. So let's take that, that angle here. Who benefits from this news coming out? What could the, the motive be behind this?
1: Yeah, I think probably Miami the most. And and to be fair, this story did come out of a Miami the the Miami area newspaper uh, is where this story came out of. Um, so my guess is one thing this is Miami kind of letting everybody know, hey, we're open to picking up yeah. a point guard. Uh, their their primary backup point guard. I'm <laughs> doing air quotes around point guard has been Tyler right. Hero, who's played amazing but he's not really a point guard he's a scoring guard off their bench he, that, that's what he does best he's not an offensive facilitator when kyle lowry has been out of games the vast majority of the minutes that he has sat jimmy butler has played And jimmy butler runs the offense as he runs quite a bit of the offense yeah. anyway um so my guess is they're looking for a way to when lowry sits a not just in games, but sits for an entire game and those kind of things. Is there a way? Because right now it's Gabe Vinson, um, who's he's just he's an inexperienced, younger player. Uh, who doesn't really have that. The, the only other guy that's that's point guard ish on the roster is Marcus Garrett, uh, who's probably more of a, a, a bigger guard and a wing than he is a point guard. So, yeah. And then without any idea what you're going to get out of Victor Oladipo and all that, it's more than enough to get by for Miami. But yeah, if you could strengthen your rotation with a guy like John Wall sure. And this may be a way of kind of sending a signal of, Hey, there's a home for you. If you do want to give up 90, Well, not give up 91 million, but somewhat walk away from a large chunk of 91 million. Cause that's the only way the rockets would do this. Uh, but let's go. But, and then from the rocket side on this, sure. If, if, John Wall comes to them and says, "I'll do what Blake Griffin did. Here's a bunch yeah. of money back in a bio, $20 million, kind of what Kemba Walker did this offseason with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Here's a ton of money back. You know, go." I think the Rockets would say, "You know, good luck to you. You know, best to, you know, best for you in the future." But if if not, it serves the Rockets better to to, to keep John Wall into next offseason because then what the Rockets can do is now then, then he becomes an right. expiring contract. Expiring contracts always have value. So so then it changes the the math quite a bit there as far as uh the value on the rocket side as far as looking for a trade. Yeah, it'd
0: be interesting to see how they do wind up playing this, but I do agree. I think it's kind of a, a little you know sign to John Wall, like, hey, if you do decide to give up money, we're right here waiting, man. So Yep.
1: Yeah, um,
0: speaking of teams that have been connected to point guards, look at that segue there, the Mavs are uh, retiring Dirk's number 41. No surprise that they're doing it, but now we have an official date. January 5th is when they'll be retiring Dirk's number. Much deserved. I imagine there will be some tears shed in the house when, when this happens, but um, very, very cool for, for an amazing, amazing player.
1: Yeah, and played his entire career with yep. the Mavericks, career. which is you know something that, that we we've talked about in the past. Still means something if you know guys can do that. Uh, so yeah, really really cool. You know, uh, beyond well mm-hmm. well earned uh, honor for Dirk. Uh, jumping
0: over to the Kings, Tristan Thompson. Did you see his his comments about the about the Kings? I did. He was yeah. he was delightfully candid with what he said about the Sacramento Kings. He talked about not needing any coach. To, to fire him up and that sort of thing. He also talked a bit about.
1: <laughs> With far more colorful yes, language. Than yes, you I
0: am. Sure. I am I am very much uh, <laughs> censoring that, but.
1: Keeping it exactly. family friendly here in case you got little ones in the car. Exactly. Or whatever. We're,
0: we're putting out the PG version here, but he also, I <laughs> thought was very forthright in terms of his assessment of other franchises. He sounded like like one of us, like somebody who's analyzing the game and not a player with the way he described the other teams. You know, he, he just went and said, like, we're playing teams that are not trying to win. Don't get me wrong. Their players are obviously are going to try to win. But as an organization, as a franchise, we face teams that were not trying to win in this four game stretch and we lost to them and and how upset he was with that and everything. It was just a very honest assessment instead of kind of the, the typical answer that you would get out of a player.
1: Yeah, I learned covering him last year for the first time on a day-to-day basis when he was with the Celtics that, yeah, if he's got something to say, he's going to say it. And he doesn't mince words, he doesn't hold back, he's going to call people out as he feels he needs to, he's going to make sure what he needs to say gets said, and, and off he goes. So yeah, it's a, it's definitely one of those things where I think as we look at um, uh, Tristan Thompson, it is. It can be hard to swallow if he's not producing. Uh this year's a little weird because he, he's been in and out of the rotation. He's not playing a lot, but you know, generally he's kind of played okay when he's there. And I think his main point was like, hey, it's the guys in the soccer room wanna win. It's just figuring out how do we do that on a day to day basis. So yeah, I mean, good, good for him for saying his piece, I guess, on a franchise that's uh, moving on what a decade and a half of not not making the the yeah, postseason.
0: Absolutely. Uh
1: Keith. Our two teams play tonight.
0: The Lakers and Celtics yeah, are playing each other. You're going to join me over on the Lakersnation.com post game show. That's going to be a lot of fun. I was telling our listeners yeah. the other day uh, after the Lakers lost to the Bucks that uh, that you'd be on the show and uh, and they were excited. They they said, you know, we love Keith, we can't wait. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a first. It'll be the first. <laughs> love It'll me now. This would be I told <laughs> I told everybody. I said I said don't worry. I said Keith's a good guy. We're not going to be like going after each other or anything like that. Hopefully it's all going to be just fine, but this will be the first time that we've had an opposing viewpoint on the post game show. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Unfortunately, the one thing that could damper the fun is injuries. Um, Why don't we start with the Celtics? you got an update this morning on, uh, on some unfortunate news on Jalen Brown. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we were hoping to get an injury updated. shoot shootaround. Did not get that, which then led us to believe Barrow probably not going to hear anything until we get to the um, to to right before right. pregame, uh, or in the pregame process. But now the Celtics really released an updated injury report. Jalen Brown is out yeah. tonight. Uh, continues to work his way back from a hamstring strain. They said it would be about two weeks. I believe tomorrow is two weeks exactly. So not entirely surprising. Quite frankly, this is probably the best... um Thought process from for the Celtics term. and Jalen Brown hamstrings. Yeah, you rush back from a hamstring injury, that can be then something that sets you way back down for you know long time. Uh, Robert Williams questionable. He's got some knee soreness. We'll see what happens with him. But then Dennis Schroeder was the one that kind of came out of nowhere. He was added to the injury report just uh, a little bit, little bit ago this afternoon on Friday afternoon with a left ankle sprain. It looked like he tweaked it at the end of the Hawks game on Wednesday, uh, but was not on the initial injury report so my guess is he was feeling something as he went through shoot around today and uh well we'll see if any of those three three guys go that's uh two starters and a semi starter with Schroeder because he's been starting uh while Jalen Brown is
0: out uh, perhaps disrupting the Dennis Schroeder re- revenge tour right where he's playing a number of games yeah. that he's played yeah. for in the past he's what it's the Hawks yeah. then the Lakers then OKC is
1: that right and OKC, yeah, the Celtics have uh, OKC in a back-to-back oh, tomorrow. Okay on a saturday night so they, they yeah Schroeder three three uh three former teams and three uh three games in a row in four days from the,
0: the lakers side of things we know that austin reeves will be out for this one however um i did get word that he uh is supposed to be today participating in two on two we've talked about ramping up and how players do that already played one on one uh he's been play he's going to play two on two he's been feeling good so far also dealing with a hamstring injury but he'll be out tonight uh, so that is a you know a tough one for for the Lakers. Kendrick Nunn still no update there on him. Getting a little concerned with that situation that we haven't heard anything, and we're well past now the three week reevaluation date for him with that bone bruise. Uh, of course, Trevor Ariza is out, and LeBron James is a game time decision. And here's the thing with Frank Vogel though, he may already know what LeBron is doing. Uh, he tends to like to not release his lineup until the moment he absolutely has to. So even if they know for sure he is or is not playing, they were probably always going to list him as a game time decision, but he will be a game time decision for tonight, which is a big step forward because he's just been out for all the other games. And until he was switched to questionable last night and now a game time decision for, uh, for tonight's contest.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's it's, kind of the the step mm-hmm. up right as you go is you know you come up to game time decision and we'll, we'll go from there and as I said before I mean you want the best players to play uh, especially when these two teams meet, it just you know me means a uh, a little bit more uh, usually. So a couple things I did um as I do before every mm-hmm. Celtics game for Celtics blog, I do a uh, things I'm watching for uh, in that night's game. Sometimes they're Celtics related, sometimes they're game related. I started out with who plays, so we already covered that that part of the news. Uh, next thing is this kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I was not fully prepared that the Lakers play at the league's second fastest I do. pace. Um, which doesn't fully surprise me with Russell Westbrook, um, uh, you know, kind of doing his coast to coast thing off the boards and, you know, the way he'll play sometimes, but watching them when I started really thinking about it more, I was like, well, you know, AD does a good amount of ripping and running and bringing them up himself. They've got a couple other guys who like to push the ball as well. Um, and they, they take a lot of shots very early in the shot clock, which, (laughs) clearly has to happen to (laughs) to uh to go plus they also uh they're a high turnover team which generally tends to create more Mm -hmm. possessions in a game as well uh boston on the flip side plays they they slog through games and early on in the year Ime Doka talked about i want this to be an up tempo team i want to play fast i want to get up and down the floor and those kind of things and then he um, I think with the injuries and the offense being very limited, I think he has uh, embraced this. Let's really defend. We'll play slower pace, lower position games, and go. So, I think that that may have have a big deal. Uh, the other thing that is uh for both teams is, man, the Lakers follow a lot. Boy, they put they put teams at at the line uh, second most in uh-huh. the NBA. Uh, on a per game basis. And even when you adjust for pace, I want to say they were 20th or 22nd um, in that. And the Celtics, as much as people bellyache about stuff a lot, um, at least on my side of things, um, they're 10th in the league in free throws. So that could be something where Boston could. You'll really try to um, you know, steal some offense there by getting to the line a little bit more often, especially if you can get downhill against some guys and, and get yourself self to the line. And then the last note was Jason Tatum had a big game against Atlanta. He's had a couple other big games where he shot well uh, this year, but followed right back with a bunch of stinkers in a row. In his past, when he finally does break out of a slump, it tends to be multiple games in a row, and he starts looking like one of the best players in the league. So let's see if he's out of the slump or if we're right back to where we've been all season long. But those, those are kind of the things I'll have my eye and
0: on. And from the Lakers side of things, the foul is absolutely an issue. Frank Vogel talked about it after the game against the Bucks. He is not happy with the officiating at all. In fact, if you saw Frank Vogel against the Bucs, I don't think I've ever seen him this angry before in a game. He didn't get tossed but he was about as angry as we've ever seen him to the point where he started turning shades of red, which if you know Frank Vogel at all, he's a very (laughs) even keeled guy. This is not normal for him. He was beside himself that Anthony Davis got no free throws against the Bucs. He called out the league, called out the officiating, um i don't i can't say it's all the officiating right um no because it's not
1: because they've got high foul
0: right that's that's certainly part of and frank vogel as a coach is very much a don't foul coach that's what he preaches but his players don't really fit that so we'll see what that looks like if the lakers are able to keep themselves out of foul trouble in this one or not also say the lakers have been a very high take foul team to stop fast breaks, so yeah. that contributes to their foul total and adds it up quickly. Russell Westbrook, last I looked, was leading the NBA in take fouls. That that foul that we want to get rid of so badly. Um, speaking,
1: <laughs> yeah, he, loves he giving really numbers.
0: does, and uh, he also loves giving turnovers. That's going to be key uh, for the Lakers. Cutting down on turnovers, I've gone over this stat quite a bit in terms of points per possession, what a turnover really means, and all of that. It's really, really bad, I can say that. Um, Russell Westbrook did a much better job last game, though only three turnovers on the game, despite having two early ones, went through the whole rest of the game with only one turnover. So they made a few little tweaks in terms of what he was doing out on the floor, in terms of who he was passing to, the types of passes he was making. And it made a big difference, kept them in the game against the Bucs when otherwise they they wouldn't have been. So we'll see what, what version of Russell Westbrook we get in this one. Anthony Davis has also come under fire for not really showing up against Giannis. On uh, their last performance, we'll see if he has a little bit of extra motivation in him. Obviously, LeBron playing or not is going to be a big deal. But aside from the turnovers, the other big problem for the Lakers on the season has been the offensive glass. Part of that has been without LeBron, you, they've been running Dwight Howard andor Anthony Davis and then a bunch of guards, right? A lot of times you're having AD yeah. surrounded by four guards. So if you're big, whether it's Dwight or AD or even DeAndre Jordan is boxed out on a play, The other, the opponent has had a major size advantage in all the other positions. So, what the Lakers can do to keep the Celtics off the offensive glass will be a big storyline as well in this one from the Lakers side of things.
1: Yeah, and the Celtics, they, they, without uh, Robert Williams, the last couple games have unearthed Dennis Cantor, has gotten back into the the lineup some. Um, So, yeah, 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 at some point. Let's not do that today, though. But it it might Um, be a factor tonight with his – he had a tweet about LeBron. And he did yeah yeah if you're gonna call out lebron you better be ready yeah. um that's all we know he sees yeah. everything even if he doesn't necessarily respond to it uh, but yeah so we'll see if Cantor plays doesn't play probably highly depend on if Robert Williams is uh, in the game or not uh, but Robert Williams himself has been an offensive rebounding machine this year the Celtics as a team they're middle of the pack they they don't do you know a ton of getting to the glass but Robert Williams can make your life miserable in there because he'll, he'll go after it create second chance opportunities I don't think let me check he is still leading the league at 73.4% uh, field goal percentage uh, for Robert Williams so yeah he's a uh, yeah, you it know, gets up there. 4.1 offensive rebounds per night uh, for him. So we'll see if they can yeah, get the Both last. these teams
0: have been disappointing this season. The Celtics at seven and eight, sitting yes. in ninth in the Eastern Conference, the Lakers at eight and eight, sitting in ninth in the Western Conference. Um both fan bases has been have been very much on edge, right? Where with every loss, the sky is falling, everything is horrible. Trade everyone, fire everyone. That that side of that sort of thing has started to come out of both fan bases so i the glasses half empty way to look at this is no matter what happens tonight one fan base is going to be inconsolable
1: yep absolutely yeah um Let's do a little bit of bummer breaking news here oh. to end uh, the show. Uh, Woj just tweeted, uh, the NBA suspended Pelicans for D.D. Luzada for 25 games without pay for violating the NBA's anti-drug program. The NBA has also released it, uh, tested positive for uh, testosterone and drostanolone. I don't, I'm don't. i probably saying that wrong, and I don't know what that is, so I'm not going to speculate beyond that. But, yeah, not uh, – not good news. I mean, he doesn't really play for the Pelicans anyway, but, but never good news to see somebody getting a, um, a drug, uh, or performance enhancing drug or whatever it is, uh, related Absolutely. suspension. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's not good news.
0: All right. Well, bummer that we have to end it on that. Actually, you know what, Keith, let's end it on it. Let's end it on a high point. You and I get to talk let's more basketball tonight. I think that's yeah. a, that's a positive thing. Even if one of us will be a little bit sad. 100%. At the end, at the end of the yep. night, that's okay. We still get to talk more basketball tonight, so I think that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I think because we're so excited, this is probably just going to be some stupid uh, uh, blowout, one way or the other, and it won't. It just won't be a fun game that comes down. No, to the game, but we're, we're fingers crossed. Right can... now, Keith, yeah, we have to see. end on a positive. Yeah, all right, positive, positive. <laughs> Let me reframe. This is going to be a fantastic game tonight. I can't wait. Uh, we're all fired up and ready to go, but yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I'm excited. I'll be excited to join you later, and uh, one of the two of us will be uh, rocking the other team's uh, primary uh, color as best we can. Uh, we we already talked that that's our that's friendly right. little bet on this. Neither one of us owns I uh, I don't own Lakers gear. Trevor doesn't own Celtics gear, but uh, mm-hmm. you've got some green. I've got some some uh, purple. So we'll we'll figure out how to how to work that into the mix uh, you know, on that's the post game right. show. That's
0: right. We'll make it happen. All right, everybody, appreciate you joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Make sure you ring the notification bell as well and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Make sure you follow us and give us that rating and five-star review. We'd certainly appreciate it. Till next time, everybody, stay safe and see ya.